great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God, how great is our God. Hallelujah. So anyway, it's been a good uh, morning already. I want you to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and uh, share some things that we're going to need in this hour. Okay, beginning with verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy, say abundant mercy. You know, we know that His mercy endures forever, and we know that His mercy is new every morning, Right? How many of you need mercy every morning? His mercy. Well, this is abundant. You're never going to run out of the mercy of God. His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Say living hope. You know, there's the living word, but we're, we have a living hope. It's Christ within us, the hope of glory, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, and then he defines the inheritance, incorruptible which means imperishable. The inheritance that we've received is not going to perish. Incorruptible, undefiled, untouched by human hands, and that does not fade away. That speaks for itself. And reserved in heaven for you. How many of you are glad there's some things reserved in heaven? You know, people have been telling us you can walk in all now. And we can, we, there's a whole lot more we need to be walking in now. But there are things reserved in heaven. And, and it, what's reserved there is not going to fade away. It's not going to be, you know, it's not perishable. It's kept. Reserved in heaven for you, say for me, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. In this are ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be. Say if need be. We'll come back to that later. You've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. In other words, the grace that we're walking in, prophets in the days of old prophesied. They foresaw it. They, they could see it coming. They would love to be where we are today. But they prophesied of what you and I would walk in in our day today. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We ask God, give us understanding. Give us revelation. Lord, we can't see unless you open our eyes. We can't hear unless you open our ears. So give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And we thank you, God. We pray, let things happen this morning that are unexplainable. Lord, we pray, bear witness with your word, with signs and wonders following. And we thank you, that's your promise. And we give you glory and honor. You're the teacher. You're the convictor. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. You're the savior. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know this as well as I know. We talk about this all the time. I have to keep reminding us, lest we forget the battles we have now entered into. How many of you know there are battles going on in the realm over the, the nation, over our families, over our cities. But it's going to require two things, the battles we're now in. Number one, we've got to know who we're called to be. We've got to know nothing less. We are who, we, who He's called us to be and who He said we are. And we've got to know who He has said we are. Not falling short in any gift and not falling short in what the Lord said about us. Not about what people say about us. Sometimes people don't say the nicest things about us. But God has spoken the Word of God that is eternal about us. And then secondly, we need to know Him as He really is. Nothing less. 
And that takes much faith. From here on out, let me just remind us, in America, but also in the nations, don't think you're going to escape. We must be rooted, we must be grounded in the truth. You've got to know in whom you have believed, and you've got to be persuaded that He is able to keep what you've committed unto Him. The attacks that are coming on, the, on truth today are unprecedented. Remember I shared with you when we were in Cuba, they told us the most feared scripture in Cuba was John 8.32. You know what that says. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The government fears that scripture. I can tell you there are those in the United States that fear that scripture. And so there's an assault, not only to tell lies, but to keep the truth from the people. If you stand up to tell the truth, you will be a target in this hour. But if you're not a target, what are you doing? You're playing. You're wasting. You should be a target. The enemy should have a big zero or a big mark on your back. How many of you, how many of you know he does already? It doesn't, you know, but, but, uh, the, you know, but what does the scripture say? For those who suppress the truth, because there are those who do that. It says the wrath of God, Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So there are those right now, news agencies, politicians seeking to suppress the truth. The word suppress means to hold down, to forcibly put an end to, put it down, subdue it, defeat it, repress it, stamp it out, overcome it, put it out, clamp down on it, conceal it, Inhibit it, put a lid on it. In other words, don't let the truth get out. And that's what's happening right now in America. How many of you know that? The truth is being suppressed. If you watch the news, God help you. Most of the news, most all of the news, is nothing but propaganda. Now, there are some stations that are proclaiming, at times, you know, a lot of the truth. But the Bible says God's wrath is going to come against all of those that suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And so the attacks on our faith, you know what that will actually do for our faith? Anybody have any idea? It'll actually, it'll make us, it'll make real faith come to pass. You've heard of fake news. There's fake faith in America. So what's God going to do? He's going to shake the, the fake news. He's doing that. And he's going to shake the house of God so the fake faith will be revealed. And so that real faith would arise because anything less is not going to work. It ain't going to cut the mustard. You got fake faith in this hour, your days are numbered. You're not going to make what's coming on the earth. So you got to stand. You got to have faith. You got to know what God's word says. You got to start speaking, thus saith the Lord. Not thus saith somebody's opinion. That may be a word from the Lord or not, I don't know. But I know thus saith the Lord is thus saith the Lord. And we've got to stand on His Word. Now, you know, as a ministry, we want to, we want to follow the example of the Moravians. None of us, do we have any Moravians in the crowd this morning? You see, you guys that are watching, none of us are Moravians. But we want to walk in the calling of the Moravians. Prayer and missions. You know, I know, what's the guy? Um, William Carey. They say he's the father and he... No, he, I'm telling you, the Moravians were really the pioneers of modern missions because of the boldness and the courage and the example. Just a lot of people don't know anything about the Moravians, so they blame William Carey. They don't blame him, they just say he did it. And he was good, he was an awesome missionary. But uh, also the prayer. But what we don't know, we need to understand about the Moravians. Okay, how many of you, we want to follow the example of Moravians? I mean, it's not a bad thing, you know, to follow their example in prayer and missions. But you know also they were some of the most persecuted people in the history of humanity. I know under Nero in the, in the Bible, Nero blamed, the, he burned the city and then he blamed the Christians for burning it down. So they crucified, they threw them to lions, they would hang them on poles. Well, that's exactly what happened to the Moravians. I mean, there was a mass slaughter. You know, we're so grateful for what happened 
on August the 13th, 1727. How many of you know what happened on that day? They were having the communion. They were having a Moravian love feast. And the Holy Spirit fell on the Moravians. But what you don't know is what happened a hundred years before that. And there was massive slaughter of the Moravians. Torture, hacked to death, burned, hung. It was to the point that John Amos Comenius, now he was one of the pastors, he, cried, he wrote in one of his books, Almighty God, what is happening? Must the whole world perish? That's what he thought. The whole world is going to die, God. What's going on here? And he was crying out. But Comenius prayed that God would preserve a hidden seed. How many of you remember that story? And so he did among the Moravians. They weren't completely banished from the earth. There was a hidden seed. They would hide their Bibles in their gardens to escape persecution. They would hide their records up in portions of the roof of their homes. And they kept that seed. And they waited. They memorized large portions of the Bible. They tried to memorize the whole book of Revelation. And they waited for the moment that God would come in power and raise them up to do something mighty in the earth. And He did. In, on August the 13th, 1727, a great move of the Holy Spirit broke out. And then their prayer movement, of which we're a part of today, I think a lot of these things that are happening, it all was birthed then. And then the missions. And I know we're a part of that today. And the greatest mission movements are yet to come. Greatest missionaries you ever heard of. I'm telling you, they're going to do it. I so enjoyed getting the pictures of Mark and Alex. And there were big crowds of people. And uh, Nancy was a part of that as well. And, and Linda. But I'm telling you, the greatest missionaries are about to be raised up. They're going to be some of the most humble people. You won't even know their names. They're going to be simple people that's going to go to nations and rock kingdoms. I'm telling you, nations are going to turn to the Lord in this hour. The greatest day to live as a believer. It's also the most serious, challenging. I mean, there's a bunch of folks in America, if they could have their way, they would slaughter us right now. They would bring back the French Revolution. I mean, I'm telling you, it's real. How many of you know it's real? French Revolution. You wonder, how in the world could they do what they did? It's because they were possessed with what they were possessed with. If you don't think folks are possessed by stuff today in America, you ain't living. The demons have been loosed on the house of America. But the household of God is alert to it. And rising up for the challenge and the occasion. So anyway, I want you to go. Let's go back to that scripture now. You guys with me? Everybody with me? If you're here and you're sound asleep, you're going to get what God's given me whether you want it or not. I'm going I'm to preach it, but I'm telling you, the anointing. See, I, could, I have about this much confidence in preaching. I have about this. You can't know the confidence I have in the anointing and the Spirit of God. We are to preach the Word. You have to be faithful. And I'm going to preach the Word. I don't care. It's the last person on earth preaching the Word. That's my commission. He said, preach the Word. Be ready in season, out of season. Even if they acquire teachers, they, they come and tickle their ears. You preach the word. When they put it on my tombstone, I want you to write that down. He preached the word, all right? I want it to be there. I want to be faithful to my calling. So anyway, I'm going to talk about faith and then pray there'll be a release of faith. But look in verse 9. It says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The end of your faith. What does that tell us? It tells us that faith is a journey. It's a journey. It begins when you're born again. When you're born again, you're just born again. It's a journey. It starts. And there's a whole lot more that we need to walk in. Now, we could not cover all the aspects of faith in just the next 20 or 25 minutes. It's not going to happen. I mean, if you know that. I mean, you, David Hogan, he's going to come back at the end of October. Every time he comes, he preaches on the Scripture. Now faith is. First time he preached that, remember, he came back. His text, now faith is. I guarantee you, when he comes, what has he been here, three times? This will be the fourth, I think. It's the last weekend of October. He'll probably stand up and say, turn to your Bibles. Now faith is. You know, that'll probably be his text. 
And he's living it out. So we could not cover all, everything. But we know that faith is a journey. And we must contend earnestly for the faith that's been once and for all delivered to the saints. Right? Whose job is that? All of ours. You contend earnestly for the faith that's been delivered to the saints. You don't let someone come and pervert it, steal it, knock, you know, you just, you knock them. Well, you don't knock them. You just stand on the Word. Sometimes you might have to knock them. I don't know. It's, the Lord said a lot about that. It's a different time. We've never been this way before. Somebody come after my wife. I'm going to knock them in the head. I'm going to do more than knock them in the head. You're not touching my wife. He that can't care for his family is worse than an infidel. So anyway, it's going to be a great time. We're going to have to maintain love, boldness, courage, all at the same time. But anyway, I want us to look at some aspects of faith right out of the Scripture. Can we just stick in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning? Is that okay? So follow along. And he talks about the living hope that comes because of the resurrection. The hope that we have is all based on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he talks about the inheritance. And we could, you could preach on that, you know, that's incorruptible and reserved. And, but in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. So I want to look at, there's about eight or nine or ten, it goes really quickly, some aspects of faith that are right out of this text. And the first one is, obviously, in verse 5, for salvation is saving faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. You've got to make sure you, you begin where you need to begin, and that is begin with salvation. You must be born again. The preaching of being born again is going to become popular again in America. Because a lot of people have just enough religion that they've been inoculated from the real thing. And they need to hear the gospel in power once again. The gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached. But people are going to start getting saved. I'm telling you, they're getting saved in Georgia. They get How many folks got saved in Kenya? Do you have any numbers yet? Hundreds. Over 200. We've got to start keeping up with this stuff. Because we picked up that mantle, if you weren't here the last week in uh, June, we picked up the mantle of a billion souls. Now, obviously, we can't do it alone. But we're going to see it happen through a network. I'm telling you, God is involved in the harvest over the earth. There's going to be a big harvest over the whole earth, and we're part of it. And it's just the way it's going to be. We got to lead a guy to the Lord on our last day of our trip. We went off. I told you we were going to go north, and then we went north, and then we went south. And on the way back, coming back from south, you know, we read some hotel. I went up and started talking to a guy, and, you know, it's one of those times divine when the Holy Spirit's convicting. And so I led him to Jesus. It was really wonderful. And he was from New York, a truck driver. Then I said, do you have a Bible? No. In America? Are you kidding me? You don't have a Bible in America. And it dawned on me, you know, America is probably the, maybe one of the greatest mission fields of this day. People don't even have Bibles today. And the folks that have them don't read them. So we need a revolution. We need God to breathe on America once again. And we're just going to, it's just going to happen. Their people are going to start being saved. And then the next thing in verse 5, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I have a lot of favorite scriptures. How many of you have a lot of them? But I like this one. I'm kept by the power of God Almighty through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so, not only is there saving faith, there's keeping faith. Say, keeping faith. We're kept by the power of God. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in the power of Almighty God. And if your faith is in the power of God, you don't have to worry. You, can, you are kept. The word kept means to be a watcher. In advance, to mount guard as a sentinel, to post spies at the gates. You know it's been proven now, without any shadow of a doubt, in these Mueller hearings, that Mueller wasn't in charge. How could that man be in charge? He couldn't even remember half of the things they were even asking, which tells me there really were spies in the White House. Now what we need is the whole lid to come off of that thing. And the justice of God to roll across the land. we got to have it happen. And I know that's the government's responsibility. You know, they're the ones that are to punish evildoers. 
I'm asking God, if, if the government will not punish the evildoers, I'm asking you, God, to rise up as a God of justice in the land. He must do that. It, it's maybe one way some of the perpetrators are only going to come to Jesus is if the hammer of justice comes down upon them. And I better watch myself, this whole pulpit will come down. It's just the way I feel about it. So anyway, but you know that the word kept means God has somehow posted spies at the gates. What does that mean? It means God's watching over you. It means to him in or to protect to keep with a garrison. In other words, we're, we're kept by faith. The keeping power. Can you believe the keeping power of God? Can you believe it? How many of us would have gone our own way if had not God who, that kept us from going our own way? You know, when I would have gone my own way, I'm a sinner. I need God every day. I have to go to the cross every day. You say, well, what have you done? If you just... If you don't do the things you're supposed to do, it's called sin. If you do anything that's not of faith, it's sin. I need forgiveness every day. And God gives forgiveness, but I'm kept by the power of God through faith. And then the next thing, there's revealed faith, because that's what it says in verse 5. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed. The word revealed means to take the cover off of it, to expose it. Listen, we're not to be hidden under some bed or you know we don't hide our lamp we're to let our light so shine before men God's about to run a lot of people out from under their beds they've been hiding I'm telling you you can't hide in this hour you got to rise up and be the light and the salt you're called to be because people are depending on you or you're arising and we, we've got to arise arise and shine not arise and hide under the bed but arise and shine for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. You remember James said, You show me faith without works, and I'll show you a faith that's absolutely dead. I didn't say it quite like that, but that's what he meant. It's dead faith. No, faith that's alive, there's going to be works. You're going to have some way. Now, I know we're not saved by works, but the works will be the works of Him who sent us. And will give Him the glory. You remember that the last Sunday we were together in June... We talked about how God was the one who is at work in us. He's the work, you know, with us. He works with us. He's the, he's the one that's for us. You know, He's the one that, you know, even though everybody's against us, God is for us. But He's also the one who works through us. We didn't say that then. We need to say it now. He's the God that works through us. And get ready, America, because the living God is about to be revealed through the church of the living God. Revealed. That's what Revelation is all about. The revealing of the Son of God. And the sons of God that reveal the Son of God. That's what the sons of God are about. They reveal the Son of Almighty God. The only Son of God. And then, not only is there revealed faith, but there's reserved faith. You say, where do you get that? Well, look at the last line in verse 5. You're kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last, what? Time. And so that means it's reserved faith. I, um, you know, we went to that conference up in Gettysburg, you know, with um, Brother Sadhu. Very humbling, sobering message. Fall on your face, start crying type meetings, you know what I mean? And, um, but anyway, I got to meet his brother, who's, what's his name? Francis, Stephen Francis. And Stephen, he, to me, was one of the best messages of the conference. He's a fiery young preacher of the cross, the gospel of the kingdom, convicting. I really liked him. I wanted to invite him here. I, you know, when I, when people have the anointing, I want them to come around. I want to, I want to get in on it. Well, guess what? He's moving here, but not here. He's moving not too far away from here. So he's going to be around here a whole lot. And so we're going to get to be friends. I really like Steve. But he asked me to take him on a journey on a motorcycle tour of North Carolina. I said, you sure, man? Just say, invite me and I'll get permission and we'll go. I want to do it. 
But you know, I was thinking, what if we run out of gas or something? You know, every motorcycle I know has a reserve tank. I've never had to use the reserve tank yet. But I'm telling you, if I needed a reserve tank, it'd be available. Now, I said all that to say this. There is the times when we've entered, not entering. We say, I've already entered. They're going to be a little bit on the challenging side. If you think the demons were big yesterday. <laughs> yeah. These, big, these are some of the guys reserved for the moments like this. They're also reserved for the church of God to declare the power of God. And anyway, it's just going to happen. But I believe with all my heart that God has reserved a faith that's going to be granted to the church that's on the earth in this hour. There's a reserved faith. It's been in reserve. Now I know the measure of faith. You know, the Bible talks about what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. But there's also that's been reserved for the hour. It's like the grace. You know, there are things that are reserved. Your dying days, for example. I visited someone this week that is 99 and a half years old. There's a good possibility this person's going to die, you know, at least a 100% chance in the next so many days or months. I don't know. Years. 199 and a half years old. That's, now that's pretty awesome. A saint of God, and she prays for me. I don't want her to die, because I, if a 99 and a half year old saint is praying for you, you want to hang that, you want to keep that person around as long as possible, you know what I mean. But I know that's, that day's going to obviously come to an end. But there's a grace reserved for the last part of your life. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil. The rod and staff, they comfort me, prepare a table before me, you know, in the presence. We know there's a grace there when you have to walk through that valley of the shadow. There's also going to be a grace for the days in which we're living. Corey Ten Boom. Now, we've talked about her from time to time because we like her. We grew up hearing about Corey Ten Boom. You guys, do y'all know who she is? Okay, you've heard about her enough. And, uh, but you know that she used to go to Amsterdam with her father. They lived in Harlem. Her father was a clockmaker. Now, first of all, I need to tell you who they were. They actually hid, or hid Jews during the Holocaust in their home, and they, they would help in the underground, you know. And, um, and the, the father was an amazing man. And uh, he died. I mean, all of them were arrested. Well, three of them. Corey, Betsy, and the father. And they, the father, when, before they arrested him, he said, it's an honor. Because they said, you probably won't come back out of jail. He said, it's an honor to give my life for God's chosen people or God's, you know, ancient people is what he said. So he goes and he's 10 days after he's dead. But anyway, Corey told a story and I remember hearing it and I, I often think about it. And she told her father, she said, dad, father, they probably said father in those days. Father, I don't know that I could ever give my life for Jesus. I don't know that I could ever die for Jesus. And he, he thought, well, it's a great occasion. And he asked her a question. He said, when do I give you the ticket to get on the train to Amsterdam? It's only a 30-minute trip, but he would go because he was a clockmaker. And he would go to Amsterdam to get the exact time by the very second. Now, Corey said... The dad was never off by more than four seconds. But he would go to get the exact second, so he'd go back to Harlem and set all the clocks to the very exact second. So anyway, he asked her, when do I give you the ticket to get on the train? She said, you give it to me right when we get on the train, right as we're boarding. He said, that's right. I don't give it to you two weeks before. I don't give it to you, you know, uh, Two days before, I give it to you when you get on the train. And, she, and he said, so God will give you the grace that you need at the very moment that you're going to need it to stand for him. And if need be, give your life as a sacrifice for your Savior. And so it is with, with God in this hour. Do you know I found out Corey's father started a weekly prayer service that lasted a hundred years? The, yeah. No, the grandfather. Grandfather, Wilhelm. And it began, when was it, in um, 1844. It lasted all the way to 1944. 
100 years. So the Moravians were not the only ones that had a 100-year prayer meeting. The Moravians' prayer meeting actually went 120 years. They just rounded off, I guess. But I... The last prayer meeting was when they were arrested, the Corey Ten Boom, the, the Ten Boom family, and they were brought to, to jail. And Betsy died, the father died, and Corey would have died, but because of a clerical error, she was released. Why? Because she had a story to tell. And she somehow made it and... You know, she met Billy Graham and she was on many of those Billy Graham crusades back in those days. But there's going to be a reserve faith. So don't lose hope. Some of you feel like you're running on empty. You have a reserve tank waiting for you with faith and grace. All that you're going to need to face whatever you're going to face in the days to come. That ought to be shouting material. You ought to be happy about that. If you've got an inheritance that's reserved... In heaven, you got stuff reserved for you now. And then there's going to be, look in verse 6, sustaining faith. In this, you greatly rejoice. What? You're rejoicing that you're kept by the power of God Almighty through faith, ready to be revealed for salvation in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now. Say, though now. I wish we didn't have to say that, but it's in the book. For a little while. How much, how long is a little while? It could be. I mean, the Lord said, I'm coming quickly. It took 2,000 years. And he's coming now. We know that. He's in the midst of his coming. But we don't know the, the timing. A little while. If need be. So he says, though now, for a little while, if need be. Why did he put if need be? Well, remember, Jesus gave us the example. He'd said he needed to go through Samaria so he could run into the, the woman at the well. There was something going to happen. There are places you and I will need to go through. We need to be there in order to do the will of the Father. How many of you are willing to go where you need to be, even though it may not be the most comfortable place on the earth? I'm looking for hands. Oh, some of you are not sure about that. But what if God needs you there? What if the Spirit of God has ordered your steps to be there? So now, a little while, if need be. Now what's this all about? If need be, you have been grieved, distressed by various trials. And so what he's speaking about, a sustaining grace, sustaining faith. It, to sustain means comfort, help, support, give strength. To remain under, even in great difficulty. How many of you know that sustaining faith? You, you've had great difficulty. Many of you. You guys haven't been there yet, I'm telling you. They'll tell you. There's a sustaining faith that will sustain you in the most unbelievable, serious, most, you know, you don't even want to go there. But you go there. But God will sustain you. And then the next thing is in verse 7. Here's the reason for this. That the genuineness of your faith. So there will also not only be a sustaining faith, there's genuine faith. You know, one thing we know for certain, the Lord is going to come. He's going to separate the wheat from the tares. The tares were those, you know, just quickly, they were those, the tares stand up straight, right? And they're real proud and there's a, you know, a parallel there. But the, the wheat bows over, correct? Don't they bow? And that's humility, and that's a picture today. You see those that are so proudful. They're proudful. And then you see those that are humble. And that's how you'll recognize the, those that God has His hands upon. But look, notice the rest of that verse. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes. It's precious. That word precious means costly. Your faith is costly. The Lord, it costs His life to give you the faith you're walking in. And he, you're not going to come up short. The Lord said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? How many of you determine He's going to find it? And we say that all the time. We're determined, Lord. When you come back, you said, will I find faith? Well, we are determined. You're going to receive the reward of your suffering. You're going to find faith on the earth. Because... 
It's just, it's just to be. And then the next thing, there's enduring faith. It's really the genuineness of your faith, but enduring, that's the gold that perishes. We have faith that lasts. You know, one of the things that has to send terror into the courtrooms of hell is that we keep, we keep getting back up again. He knocks us down and we get up again. Knocks us down, we get up again. Let me show you a verse real quick. Look over in Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, verse 15. Now, verse 16, we quote often, but look in verse 15. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. And I can tell you, the wicked are seeking to plunder. If it's, you know, the, the demonic wants to plunder us of all that God's called us to. And occasionally we get knocked down. But look in verse 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times. But what? And rise again. Seven is the number of completion. And rise again. But the wicked, what's going to happen with the wicked? But the wicked shall fall by calamity. The wicked's days are numbered. The righteous days are eternal. And that's a great promise that we have. And then the next thing is faith that is tested by what? Fire. Your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. So just get ready. He is a consuming fire, but he's also what we sung about this morning, a refining fire. We have to go through one or the other. Which one would you rather go through? The consuming fire or the refiner's fire? Wait a minute, nobody answered. Can you avoid it? No, you can't avoid it. Seems like somewhere in Malachi he said, Behold, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. But who can stand in the day of his coming? For he will come like a refiner's fire and a purifier of silver. He will come to purify and to refine. The best thing I know is is to surrender and submit to that. Even Jesus said, I counsel you. Here's the best counsel you could have for this hour. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. And you'll be coming out like gold and precious silver refined. I was going to share, and I'm not going to do it, but I showed Dylan and some other guys. Somebody, Matthew sent me a video of this guy in South Africa. Did you guys see that? A pillar of fire appears in the meeting. There's a, uh, he's, he's under a tent and they have a big, then they got these overflow, like four overflow areas. And he said, God's going to move today. He's going to do something. And then he said, God showed me a pillar of fire and wind. And then on the video, he showed this pillar. Now I know some of you are saying, you know, you can do anything on a video. I, I don't know if it's real or not. It doesn't matter. I mean, I believe God's going to start doing stuff like that. I believe it. We don't need it to believe. We believe anyway. I'm going to believe. I don't, it doesn't matter what I see, I believe. But the world needs to see a demonstration of the power of God. And so that guy in that video said, you ask God to see the glory and you'll see it. So God, I'm asking. I'm asking. I'd rather err on the side of asking for too much than too little. We want to see your glory in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. We're asking to see your glory. Whether it comes as a pillar of fire or wind, we don't know, but we pray we want to see your glory. But you know we have to back that up with the next verse. Look in verse 8. It says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing... You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So it doesn't matter what we see. We're going to love Him. We're going to persevere unto the end. And then there's faith that will bring praise. That, and that's what it says, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's the revelation of Jesus? It's the last days when Jesus, the cover will come off and we will see Him even as way beyond. But it's Him being revealed all the time. It's the uncovering, the unfolding. People think the book of Revelation is a scary book. It's not a scary book. It's not, I don't know if you want to always read some parts of it before you go to sleep. You know, 
You might dream about some of that. But you probably should. Because if you dream about it, you'll realize this is not that scary. It's Jesus. It's the revelation of God in fullness. Of all we've been waiting, the whole creation, every we've been waiting for this revelation. Well, also, we're going to be revealing Him and bring Him great glory, honor, praise, power. And we know that. And then the last thing is the, re the reward of faith. Look in verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith. There it is. The end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The soul is the mind, the will, and emotions. But there's still an enduring and a reward of those who keep the faith. Is that what Paul said? I've kept the faith. You know, he didn't give up. He didn't lose sight. He didn't walk away. I've known people that have walked away. How many of you? They walked away. And I know there's going to be a great shaking that only those who have real faith are going to endure. But real faith will endure. And those that put their trust in Him, I'm telling you, they're going to endure to the very end. And I just want to pray this morning that God would release the measure of faith that we're going to need for this next season of time in America and the nations of the earth. You can't walk into this day blind. You've got to know in whom you have believed, my friend. You've got to know Him like you've never known Him before. If you've got something separating you from Him, I would, my advice would be to get rid of that something and fall on your face and go after Him and pursue Him. Seek Him. He said, seek ye first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So, Lord, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your Word that does not return void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which You send it. And I thank You that Your Word convicts your word draws, Lord, no one could even come to you unless you draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we need more than we've ever needed before the Spirit of the living God in our churches of America. We need, God, your presence, your manifest presence. We need to see your glory. God, we will believe you no matter what. But, Lord, the first miracle was so that your disciples would believe in you. And there are many people, God, that have lost that cutting-edge faith that they need for this hour. And I'm asking God, open our eyes to see the glory of God. Lord, I thank you. I believe that you're answering my prayer. God, I'm one of your sons here. And you're my father. And I've seen you answer prayers all my life. You have been faithful all, all through it, God. And I thank you. You're going to be faithful now. I'm asking God for everyone under the sound of my voice to see the very glory of God. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, you're going to do it. And you are doing it. These are the days we've been waiting for. The days we've been made for. The days the prophets prophesied of, of the grace that we would walk in in this hour. God, I thank you for sustaining faith. I thank you for keeping faith, saving faith, faith that is reserved. Lord, I'm going to ask you now to give us the reserve that we're needed for this moment. If, that's, if you want that, just, just stand and, and lift your hand to the Lord. Just, just receive it from Him. If you're watching online, just get into a position of faith and expectancy and receive from the Lord. The, that is which is reserved for the hour, for the moment. It's like Corey's father. Lord, would you give us the ticket to board the train that you're calling us to board at this season and time in history so that we would bring you much praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God. I ask you to impart faith, gifts of faith. I ask you to impart, Lord, a fresh faith in the living God that we cannot be talked out of and we will not turn from no matter what happens. For now, in the little while, and if need be, 
thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, God. Just feel like the Lord right now, it's like he's got these, um, the reservoirs, and he's opening up the reservoir. And it's overflowing the faith for the moment to believe God for family members, for your neighborhood, for your, our cities. People are watching, wanting faith for the nation. I'm asking God, release faith for the nation. That entire nations would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it will serve as a testimony to other nations of what God, the great things that our God is doing in the earth. But Lord, I thank you for the measure of great that every one of us will walk in. And the faith. I'm telling you, he's here. He's here. He's here. He's releasing a deposit. If there's anybody here that's not saved, you need saving faith. If you're watching, you need saving faith. You can't have enduring faith, persevering, all that without salvation. And the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. That truck driver called on the name of the Lord this week at breakfast in that little hotel. And, and uh, 200 or what are people called on Jesus in Kenya. And people are being saved all the time now, all over the earth. We're not going to be able to keep it up, keep up with it. We just want to be a part of it. But right now, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you and convicting you of sin, you must know you're a sinner. You can't just feel sorry for yourself. You've got to be convicted of sin, sin, sent Jesus to the cross, caused his death. Your sin caused the death of the Son of God. And you just say, Lord, thank you. I'm not worthy, but you died for me. And you confess. The Bible says if you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we just want to pray right now in this room and those that are watching, just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of the living God, that he died and rose from the dead. I confess that I am a sinner. I have failed you, God. I ask you to forgive me. I went my own way. But this day I choose to turn it all around. And I turn my life over to you. I confess you as Lord of my life. I call upon you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. And by faith, I receive you into my life, into my heart. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of God. Fill me with the fire of God. That I could live for you the rest of my life. And I thank you, Lord, for salvation. If you prayed that prayer, you're watching or in your room, you need to let us know. And, and um, you can email us at, uh, you know, the gathering church office at gmail.com. We need to hear from you so we can send you some literature.